Hi, I'm Sammy Schulman. I'm Josh Siegel. I'm Yoni Pruce. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to the Floater Podcast Network conglomerate today. We are talking basketball. We're talking basketball. Sorry, I had to. And the Orioles are good. I wanted to. Josh, we're not talking baseball. Josh. Yeah, wait, Josh, Josh, did the Orioles win today or did the Nationals absolutely destroy them 6 5? Yeah, or it was a bloodbath. But the Orioles aren't good if they lost, Josh. Kind of. I know we're talking basketball, but just saying, if they lost, they're not good. This is a basketball podcast, not a baseball podcast. (laughs) I had to plug the Orioles, so. Listen, Yoni, just because the Red Sox have the worst starting rotation since, you know, the JDS middle school team in 2016. Josh, you mean since the Orioles of last year? Yeah. All right, let's move on now. So the seeding games are over. We're moving into the playoffs. Before we talk about the playoffs, we obviously have to talk about the seeding games. There's the couple obvious things worth mentioning. The Suns went 8-0. Damian Lillard was like the NBA bubble seeding game MVP. Those are like the two big things that came to me. But something that I wanted to talk about more was the Pelicans and how poor they played. Well, it's clear they didn't really care. And it was clear Alvin Gentry was on his way out, um, which we see, saw because he got fired. Um, but listen, Zion, he says it himself. He does have to get in better shape. Um, that's something he's going to need to do. And they're terrible defensively. I mean, they couldn't guard you and me. I mean, Lonzo Ball, I think he's better than he showed in the bubble, but he's a significant liability defensively. Um, and Zion just didn't show the same defensive prowess that he did at Duke. I'm not hating on Zion. I still think he's one of the best 30 guys we have in the league. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's clear they weren't taking it that seriously. You don't think they were? I just feel like they weren't clicking. Like it was obviously the fact that Zion was getting such limited minutes was a big problem for them. BI played well, but not what we saw earlier in the season. I just think it was, uh, well, like you said, Gentry was on his way out. It was just poorly coached, but I just thought they, it looked like they didn't know how to play together was my biggest problem. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this Gentry thing, it goes back to something that I still didn't understand is in 2015, they make the playoff for the first time with Anthony Davis. And they seem to be this emerging team. And all of a sudden, they fire Monty Williams, which was something I didn't understand at the time and still didn't really understand. And we now see what Monty Williams is doing with the Suns. He's doing um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Monty Williams also won Coach of the Bubble. The Suns... I still feel bad for them that they didn't make it after going eight and zero to start, or not. I, I start. still don't understand how they don't even get like a play into the play-in game. They, I don't. I don't like relying on tiebreakers from the regular season to determine the tiebreakers in the bubble. When the Suns, who were not that good in the regular season, obviously found some magic in the bubble. Obviously, but I think there is some weight to the regular season. Yeah, right, and that's why I think the Grizzlies still got the play-in game. But I just don't think that the Tiebreaker should have been something that happened. Like that's too irrelevant of a thing, really. Like who knows? For all we know, like and probably I'm not. I don't know this for sure, but probably the Grizzlies have the tiebreaker because they played while Aiton was suspended, or maybe Booker was resting one day because you didn't know that. Like that's what I'm kind of saying. Like it's in the past. We have our playoffs set, but I do feel like the way that they did the tiebreakers could have been slightly different. 
I actually really enjoyed the tiebreakers. I thought it was a really good idea. And I've seen some reports saying that they might keep it for next year. And keep a playing game? Yeah. Well, that's not what I mean by tiebreaker. I mean, like, the fact that the 9 and the 10 seed had a tiebreaker the same that an 8 and the 9 seed would in a regular season. I mean, I think it's just keeping the integrity of the regular season that we had. Yeah. And Right, that's why I'm agreeing. I think that's why the Grizzlies... Because, like I said, I was disappointed that... Like I said, not on the podcast, but I was disappointed that the Suns didn't get a chance because I thought they deserved it more than the Grizzlies. And it's just that... You guys explained to me, and I agree, like, the regular season mattered. The Grizzlies fumbled in the bubble, but we're still a great team in the regular season. But it doesn't change the fact that they ended up with the same record regular season plus bubble as the Suns, but gotten because of a tiebreaker that occurred in the regular season, which I just don't think is what the tiebreaker – I think the tiebreaker should have just been bubble record. I think that makes plenty of sense. Yeah. Especially because I'm pretty sure the Grizzlies also had an extra game on every other team. Cause it was, no, it was that the Spurs had two games less. I think the Spurs, I'm pretty sure the Grizzlies or the Trailblazers, one of those two, also had an extra game on everyone. Like the an Blazers extra one. had an extra yeah. game on the Grizzlies. Portland was 35 and 39, while the Grizzlies and Suns were 34 and 39. Got right. it. And all, all I'm saying is, like, I think that the Grizzlies, if they had been half a game better, should deserve it, even if the Suns went in. Now, but I just think bubble record should have been the tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we can all agree, though. The Suns, it's really a lot of encouraging signs. And, like, I think the biggest thing is if you just look at the way they're laid out, it's a basketball team that makes sense. Like, Ricky Rubio is a really good complimentary guard to Devin Booker. Um, mm-hmm. And then just DeAndre Ayton, I really like what I saw from him. He's emerging. Um, he was great offensively and defensively. I really like the way he anchored that defense. And then... They did all of that with Cam Johnson instead of Kelly Oubre, which is one thing that I think not a lot of people are talking about. But all in all, I sort of just like the layout of their roster, and I really. Josh, like- is it a little is it a little Ewing effect or not really? I don't think it's a Ewing. It doesn't effect. classify. No, I mean because Oubre is not a star player, and it's not like Cam Johnson was better. It was just that Devin Booker took it to a whole other level. Right. I, I just wanted to, I know you like the Ewing theory, so I wanted to bring yeah. it up. Um, and I think Devin Booker is clearly at this point one of the 10 best pure scorers of the game. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't know how many guys are a more reliable two points when you need it than he is. Uh, not, not that many that you can count them on your fingers. I think that's what you said, and I think that's the case. A crazy um, thing, like, Kind of the moment that he really stood out to me was one, the buzzer beater against the Clippers. And I forget who the Suns were playing, but that logo three. Uh, yeah, do you guys remember who they were playing? I think it was the Thunder. Yeah, where he just. I, I just thought it was crazy. Like, it wasn't like the. Um, oh my God. Damian Lillard, where it was like they were really guarding him and he did like a sidestep and everything. Like, Dame just was there dribbling and then just decided, you know what? Oh, did I say Dame? I said Dame. I meant Booker was just there dribbling and then just decided to shoot it. And like, he just had a different level of confidence. Well, yeah, for me, the most impressive thing was the consistency. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go A and O unless Devin Booker played at that level every single game. And also, I think I texted this to you guys, an extremely underrated nonsensical trade that didn't make a lot of sense at the time and makes even less sense now is when Philly traded McCall Bridges for Zaire Smith on draft night. Oh, yeah. We knew right away that was bad. 
when I was, when I was they veteran. drafted the local kid, remember? And like he's from he the Philadelphia area. He went to Nova. He's a better player than Zaire Smith, but just all the storylines that like, that was the perfect draft pick, and then they just trade him away and for he no fits reason. So perfectly into everything Philly does. Trust yeah. me, for me that has not gone under the radar. Yeah, uh, it's. It it just shows the evolution of the NBA where, like, really everyone's like McCall Bridges will now develop into the ultimate 3 and D guy. Not everyone, obviously. But but that that's the general feeling about him. Yeah. I mean, nobody, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I remember when that trade happened. I'm like, who's Zaire Smith? Like, why would you pick, why would you want him over, like, when they drafted him in front of, like, I don't remember exactly who, but, like, they trade out of McCall Bridges and draft somebody at the same position who's noticeably worse. Yeah, I just didn't understand it because I remember I was really high on Mikhail Bridges. I was really high on that draft in general. And there was a group of like 10 or 12 guys who I felt like could have been like all-star caliber players and Zaire Smith was not one of them. Yeah, definitely not. And I was very confused. But um, yeah, I think the Suns, there are a lot of encouraging signs for them. And this, I really do think this will carry over into next year. Um, and I think this is also really ultimate like everything people thought Ricky Rubio could be sort of as like the perfect player just didn't translate into this era necessarily but I really love the way he fits in with that team yeah no Ricky Rubio his pure playmaker style he also he scored surprisingly well like correct me if I'm wrong but I've never remembered Ricky Rubio yeah, I've never remembered him to be much of a scorer, but during those eight games, he seemed to play really well, was making a lot of mid-ranges, and wasn't too shabby from three. But maybe I'm misremembering his career. Yeah, I mean... I mean, like, when he came into the league, I don't know if you guys remember this, like, he there, there was not that many people complaining that he was drafted ahead of Curry. Yeah, and that, like, that was considered the... Right yeah, here. I mean... A lot. Some people said like because he was still going to be overseas, like it was different. But and, like he was a big prospect, obviously, and he didn't necessarily pan out the way that people thought he would do to injuries and stuff. But you just look and like every year he's putting up numbers upon numbers. Like I'm looking at his basketball reference: ten and eight, ten and seven, ten and eight, ten and eight, ten and nine. And like this year he had thirteen and, and nine, which is just like an amazing guy to put next to a creative scorer like Booker. Yeah, and listen. I still haven't given up on 2009 Ricky Rubio in the sense that he was sent into Minnesota purgatory. Um, and I think with the Jazz and now with the Suns, he's been put in much better situations than he was with the Timberwolves. There's a reason he really stayed overseas a couple of years after getting drafted. I think he was planning on staying overseas the entire time. Like, I don't think it was a Minnesota thing. But I think yeah, he's I also think that's true. Like, like, like he was drafted knowing that it was like a Eurostat situation, which is why the Timberwolves then drafted another point guard, Johnny Flynn, because they need somebody to play now. So that worked out well. Um, but yeah, so should we move on to the Blazers? Yeah, the nope. Blazers looked amazing. Josh, you send the text that I think is worth bringing up that Nurkic is arguably the number three greatest. Not center. arguable right now. I, don't I mean, think it's very arguable. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of someone who you could put above him, but there really I think isn't it's, I think anyone. it's purely Jokic, Tom Not Klein, above him. Jokic. Yeah, I, was, I meant as the three. Yeah. yeah it's Jokic I mean, and... Sorry, he, Josh, go ahead. He, he's just been incredible on both ends of the floor. And you can see how much he changes that team. 
Because yeah. how much he frees up Dame on the pick and roll and defensively the flexibility he gives them in rim protection. Um, I mean, put Nurkic in and take Whiteside out. It's obvious the effects that, that he yeah. has. Well, Whiteside yeah, is... Yeah. I don't understand it. Like Whiteside has the ninth best PER in the NBA and he's basically unplayable. It, that's where advanced stats start stats. to get a little bit. It's because you look at his numbers and they're perfect. What he, it, like, he he, like, like He's a double-double machine. He can average four blocks. It's like like how Josh had said in the past, something that's resonated with me, like one of the better points I feel like he's ever made, is like James Harden, maybe not the greatest example, but guards will get two steals a game, and it doesn't mean they're apt defensively. It just means that they go into enough passing lanes that one or two will find them. And so yeah. then all of a sudden their stats look – whereas Ben Simmons is the kind of guy who will pick your pocket. John Stockton picked your pocket. Then there's the guys who just run into passing lanes and a lot of times give up threes, but that doesn't really go on the stat sheet. And then they get the steal and that does. Yeah. yeah I mean, and just to saw him white side, walk, watching him try to make decisions on the pick and roll is, it, it's sort of hard to watch. And we saw yesterday, beginning of the second quarter, the Blazers, not the Blazers, the Grizzlies just abused him in the pick and roll. Valanchunas scored like eight straight points. And it seems like he makes the wrong decision every time. It's, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why the heat got better and the Trailblazers got worse when he left. Yeah. It, I've always felt like Hassan Whiteside was really overrated for that specific reason. Just because whenever I watched, I always felt like he was being taken advantage of. And it got even worse this year. Like, you do see his defensive numbers got worse this year. Um, and it, it's just a disaster for them right now. But one thing I will say with the Blazers is imagine how stressful it must be to be a Blazers fan. How In so? terms of what? Well, just because first, just how close their games are. Their last four wins came by a combined 11 points. Um, yeah. Also, and just the way the team is built, right now the ultimate height of being a Blazers fan is Dame time. And that inherently means Dame digging you out of a shitty situation. Yeah. And like every single game with them is stressful. Plus, they have one of the most crazy fan bases in the NBA because it's sort of an OKC situation where it's the only thing going on in Portland. So all the energy that we put into all of our teams, they put into that one team. And I, I just feel like at, like every single game has come down to the wire. And I feel like this is going to take 10 years off of some of their lives. Yeah. Well, if Josh lived in Portland, he would have had a heart attack by now. But I feel like, I mean, I think it would be pretty fun to be a Blazers fan. Oh, it would be very fun. Just incredibly stressful. Yeah, yeah. So that's sports. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday, and like he kind of disagreed with me, but I'm pretty set. I think that the Blazers are probably the third best team in the West for sure. Yeah, and like, I wanted to hear your guys' opinions on that. Might be. And yeah, and the, and the argument was the Rockets, and I was thinking even with Westbrook, like what answers would there be for Nurkic? And then Dame time still could happen. We've seen him do it against Westbrook. There's a reason why we think Westbrook's better. I mean, why we think Dame is better than Westbrook, and I think that would carry. Yeah, even if I mean, I think the problem with the Blazers, there are two problems. First one is defensively, where they are a good team, but they just don't seem to try all that often. And this sort of goes in hand with the other problem, which is just that they're not that deep. Um, right. Really, all I'm saying is last year without Nurkic, they were the third best team in the West. Like, yes, they made the conference finals, but right, I think but the, the, the West is also better. way deeper this year than it was last year. Yeah, but none of those teams come close. Like it, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the the Thunder, none of those teams are as good as the Blazers, in my opinion. Right. No, I completely agree. I, I just think my biggest question with the Blazers is just Steph. I mean, if you look at just the minutes on Saturday, 
So Zach Collins started and played seven minutes. Wayne Gabriel and Mario Hazonia shouldn't be seeing the floor. They played nine and seven. Hassan Whiteside played 14. And then Mello played 38. Nurkic played 41. Lillard played 45. McCollum played 44. And Trent played 35. And that's what they've been having to do for the past two weeks just to get in. And I'm not sure how sustainable that's going to be just in terms of how long they can last being that thin. And especially with McCollum playing with the fracture in his back. Um, I think that's the biggest question with them, but I still think they, they can win the title. Yeah, they have a chance. Like every team needs to get hot, but they're definitely a team that really needs to get hot from three. Um, so, uh, it's- I have a question, a hypothetical. Okay. If the Blazers were in the East, would they be the favorites? No. I think they'd be the second favorite. I think they'd still be the third best team in the East. They'd be the third. I think they'd be the fourth. I think they'd be the third. I mean, I think what the bubble showed is that there, I think there are only two teams in the East that can come out. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I mean, honestly, it, my opinion on the Celtics changed so much in the bubble. Yeah, same. It, it's and, just, and I, I don't know who they are. Josh, that you didn't stay with the Raptors because that could have ended up being a really, really good take. Well, I'm fully back on the Raptors train right now, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, we'll get to that later, but it's all like, uh, I'm, and we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. But the Celtics, they just don't know who they are right now. They're mixing up rotations. Kemba's clearly not at 100%. I mean... Yeah, what, he's not at 50%. We talked about this before on our bubble preview podcast. I don't think you were there, Sammy, but I fully learned my lesson from Todd Gurley and said, if this is arthritis, this is not something that's going to go away and this is going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, Who would have thought I was right about a running back having arthritis not being a good thing? Yeah. Um, Tatum has been good, but also sort of erratic. And they're still a big short. Um, And I haven't loved what I've seen from Hayward. And they're not that deep. Like Wanamaker makes five or six inexplicable plays a game. Um, Marcus Smart is great defensively and very hit or miss from three. Um, And I just don't think they have enough. I think... They're, they'll beat Philly because Philly sucks. But I really don't know how much difficulty Toronto is going to have with them. Well, Yoni, what's your honest opinion? Have your opinion on the Celtics? You picked them to make the finals way back when, right? I did. Has your opinion stayed the same, gotten higher, or gotten lower since then? Uh, it's the same. It, I haven't gotten higher just because there hasn't been anything that's been uh, very amazing about the Celtics in the bubble but they also haven't shown me anything that would make them go lower in my predictions. I mean, they completely destroyed the Raptors, so I'm a little confused on that take. It, it, that was just one of those games. It happened. <laughs> From the totality of what we've seen, I don't think there's much of a debate that the Raptors are better. I mean, they put, if we want to go at games head-to-head, which is something when you're talking about one team being better than another, I think it's pretty important to look at that, considering that we were winning by 40 for a lot of the game. Right, but it, listen, it happens. The Raptors had an off night. They shot 25% from three. I, don't, I, I think from what we've seen in the bubble, it's pretty clear that the Raptors are better. I'd have to disagree with you on that. I mean, I, I, mean, I, think, I think I'm not sure where Tatum being erratic comes from. He had that one night off the first game and then was well, solid. That's only because he had too much hair. What? It's only because he had too much hair. 
Once he got yeah, the haircut, he was fine. He got a haircut. I mean, he had the five-point game, which was pretty much a three-point game, as KP references. But then oh, after KP that, loves to reference that. He averages 25 for the rest of the seven games. So Tatum's been playing well. Smart is a little annoying because he does take those threes every once in a while, and he's not really a great shooter. Robert Williams has been a huge piece off the bench, and he didn't play during the regular season because he gives us another center. Daniel Tice is still playing pretty well. Jalen Brown took it to another level in the bubble. Gordon Hayward is pretty much playing the same. Kemba is a little annoying considering that he might have arthritis, but also he's been really efficient when he is playing. So I'm not too worried about that as of now. Right. The only reason my opinion on the Celtics has wavered is because, first of all, I don't necessarily agree with Josh or you on how you're perceiving the Celtics being the Raptors. I think it's closer to the middle. Like, I don't take – I'm not like it was an off night. It doesn't matter. But I'm also not like they crushed them. They're clearly better. I'm no, somewhere yeah. in the middle there. Yeah. But I I do think that Kemba is a problem, and that's kind of what – that and the fact that aside from that game, the Raptors really have played great is why right now I would lean Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I think – But, that, I, but I, I think that should be a good series. Like, to say that the Raptors won't have any trouble is a little bit overzealous. Yeah. I – can't see that going farther than six. Um, I mean, a six-game series is still like not like. Also, but, but I, going seven. But I just watched the Celtics. It's too much Brad Wanamaker, too much Semi Ojale, too much Ennis Cantor. It's just I don't think they have enough pieces. I think the only guy. But that was shorten up. That was shorten up in the playoffs. I mean, like naturally, that's just play, how it works. You're not going to play Cantor, Wanamaker, and all those players that you're saying were bad in the playoffs that much. They're yeah, going to have to play Wanamaker. They've been playing like, Wan because Kemba Wanamaker is their backup point guard and their starting point guard. Wanamaker's has not the point guard. Marcus Smart's the backup point guard. First of all, Smart doesn't Smart's been playing off the ball. When Smart's Marcus, on the ball, it's a disaster offensively. Marcus Smart plays on the ball. He plays point guard. I mean, if Wanamaker, you can also have a lineup with Marcus Smart in it and not Brad Wanamaker and not Marcus Smart having the ball. Like Tatum can handle Jalen yeah. Brown can handle. You have, some of the best wings in the league who are point like who are ball handlers. Like I'm not too worried about that part. Yeah. I mean, it's great wings and then great guards for the Raptors. I give the slight edge to the Raptors just because Kemba's worrisome and they're, they're just deeper, which doesn't mean so, so much, much but it, well, yeah, but they're also worse than the Celtics offensively. I mean, we have the third best defensive rating and we're third best defensive in the league. So. Yeah, but you, you you know you kind of have to admit like the crunch time defense of the Raptors is almost unparalleled to anything we've seen. Yeah, I mean yeah. the Raptors are an amazing team. I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm just saying to say that the Raptors would win handily in six or in five even is a complete is just wrong. To because I've been I've watched every game of the Celtics and almost every game of the Raptors, and to, from what I saw, this series if it happens should go to seven, and it it just seems like the Celtics could pull it out. I'm, KP, do you want to offer an opinion? Um, I really didn't catch much of either of those two teams playing. Uh, I really only caught the first Celtics game and half of the Celtics versus Heat game because I was working that day. I still will go with the Raptors. Just I don't think it's fair to say that one game between the Celtics and the Raptors makes the Celtics look that much better. For me, something that was kind of big was just the Raptors, their defense, Sammy, as you said, in crunch time is just, it's so good. And they also, uh, the game against the Heat, 
they just were stifling, especially against three-point shooters like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So if they're able to do that against the Celtics and if they shoot well, it will just it will be a hard series. But I don't think it's easy. I don't. I agree with Yoni that saying the series is over in five games is unfair. I feel like it's more of a either it will be in six or the Celtics will take it to seven, be worn out, and it will have to go to the Raptors. That's kind of where my take is right. on that. Um, so we all kind of we all kind of express our opinions on those two teams. Should we talk about the Bucks? And if anybody wants to, the Magic. I, I mean, I don't think the Magic are too interesting. I think the Bucks. Well, that's what you I, said about the Suns, and then they went eight and zero. Oh yeah, yeah, Sammy. Should we mention that real quick? I think you're going to have to. Okay, so during the bubble, about what was it? A couple games in, Sammy. Yeah, like two or three games in. We wanted to do a podcast just coming in with takes kind of like Josh did about the baseball season. And Josh and Yoni were against doing certain teams like the Spurs, the Nets, the Suns. And lo and behold, the Spurs almost made a run for and the main point. But the main point of it was like Josh texting who wants to talk about the Suns. Yeah, no, I'll take the L on that one. I'm pretty sure you didn't even call it. I have to scroll back, Josh, but I'm pretty sure you called the Suns, like covering the Suns, not even sports. No, I (laughs) never said that. I I need to look. There was something about, like, you wanted to cover sports. The listener has no way to know if you said it or not, so it holds up. But, um, yeah, I mean, with the Bucs, I think the thing that worries me with the Bucs is something that I've been watching a lot over these eight games is just to see which teams know who they are. Just because I think one of the factors that teams are sort of underrating, um, and actually we'll get, to, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead, but this is something that worries me about the Lakers, just because we see it with LeBron teams early in the season, is that we have had an off season basically. And even with the same roster starting a new season, teams are still figuring out rotations and lineups and the way they're going to play. And I think there are more teams than usual going into the playoffs who haven't quite figured out what, who they are. Um, and I just think the Buck with the Bucks, they haven't had enough opportunity to really figure that out. Just because Bledsoe was hurt for the first part, and then they were resting guys down the stretch. I think the advantage for them is that they play the Magic in the first round, so they'll be able to figure that out on the fly without really having to worry about it. Um, I don't know how much my opinion of the Bucks has changed. I think they're a really good team and can clearly win the championship if all the things that I like. The thing with the Bucks is I think they're good enough to win the championship, um, but I haven't yet seen Giannis Middleton come through in the clutch when it matters. We've had this discussion, um, but I don't know how much my opinion on them has changed. Mm-hmm. So if you had to, like, if I posed the question, like kind of like how we talked about with the Celtics Raptors, if your opinion's gotten higher, lower, or neutral, you just say neutral. Yeah. And that's kind of low if I... Is that out of hand to say? I mean, it's not low. It's my feeling hasn't changed in the sense that if they beat the Raptors, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised just because I think they have all the tools that it takes to do so. I just haven't seen them do it yet. And I think I saw some of the similar trends at the end of games that I saw. So it's not that my opinion of them was necessarily low. It's that it's more that I think, I don't know, because I think the ceiling is as high as everyone does. I'm just not necessarily sure whether they're there yet. 
All right. I I think the Bucks. I mean, I had to make it in the finals. I don't know. It's it's really weird. The East is weird. I think that I'd still have them as the favorites if I was like making an odd sheet or something like that. And so I'd say my opinion on them has also not changed. I'm never going to agree with you about Middleton. That's just how it is. I think he's a lot better than you give him credit for. We got to wait to see. One playoff series last year doesn't define a team. They're a team that's growing still in the sense that that last year was the best they had ever done. And so they deserve a chance to try to do better before we call them a team that can't do better. And so my opinion on the Bucks has not changed. I would still pick them as the favorite to get out of the East. Yeah, it's just my thing with the Bucks is like I think the Raptors. I have the Raptors coming out of the East, but I have the Buck. I think the Bucks have a much better chance of winning the championship. I uh, I don't. I personally just don't think an Eastern team will win the championship this year. I would wonder, like in terms of betting, what the odds is there's something like betting on an East team or a West team. Well, I saw what right, those would look like. I saw the other day the Bucks are at plus three hundred to win it all. The Raptors are at plus eleven hundred. Well, yeah, I mean that's a great bet for the Raptors. I'll say that yeah. eleven to one, but like the Bucks are three to one, but like an East versus West, it would probably be closer to two to one. And I don't know. I just I I feel like the best two teams are in the West. But then again, okay. if those two teams face each other and it goes seven and it's a grueling gauntlet gauntlet of a series, you might see something like what happened in baseball. Sorry, Yoni, I'm talking about baseball, but you might see something like happened in baseball last year where the Astros thought they had won the World Series after they beat the Yankees because they felt they were the two best teams. And then the Nationals, who had an easier route, kind of had the pitching going early and were able to carry that to a World Series win. I mean, I do think the one thing is just, even if, let's say, the Bucks beat the Raptors in five or six and the Clippers or Lakers go seven, I don't know necessarily how much of an advantage that gives the Bucks, just because no matter who wins that series, it's going to be extremely physical. I mean, those are the two best defensive teams in the NBA, and those games are going to be in the 90s, and whoever wins is going to have to work for it. Are you talking about between the Bucks and the Raptors? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, there is a difference. If that, let's say, I, I don't think this will happen if they play the Bucks or if they play the Raptors or the Celtics or whomever, but let's say it only goes five games and the Bucks make the finals to get a week off when the Lakers or the Clippers will get two days off. And like, just let's say the Lakers win, like LeBron is 35 or 36 or whatever, like that will catch up to him at some point. You think it is LeBron, but still like, I, I'm not saying that that's something I'm predicting is going to happen, but I'm saying that that definitely could be something we end up talking about. Yeah. So Yoni, how's, how is your opinion um, on the Bucks change? It hasn't changed much. I'm still neutral on them. Um, you still think they're going to make the conference finals? Yeah, I think – well, they're making the conference finals, I'd assume. Um, and making the finals, probably they're, I think they're probably my favorites to come out of the East right now. I'd agree with you. I'd probably choose a West team to win it all. But if we're choosing one from the East, I'd probably go Bucks. I think whoever they play, they're going to probably have to put up a big fight just because some of the games during the bubble weren't that pretty. And I think they really have to – as Josh said, they really have to work on their rotations and just keeping everyone consistent. Um, but I'm excited to see what they can do because Giannis is always really fun to watch. So yeah, definitely. My so is, it fair, is it fair to say that there are 13 teams that can probably get out of the first, like who have a puncher's chance of getting out of the first round? Well, let's first let Aaron say what he's going to say because that seems like a more complicated thing. Yeah, I agree. My my one quick take from the Bucks and talking the rotation. Someone who I feel like stepped up a lot during the bubble and maybe it was only a couple games was Pat Connaughton, at least offensively. 
he seemed to be shooting the ball much better from three-point range. Uh, defensively, he's still not totally there, but he's a natural athlete. So, like, he'll be able to compete in physical games because he's one of the strong guys. He'll be able to last a while and play some longer minutes if a starter does need rest. So I feel like he's someone who we could see a fair amount of action in playoff rotation from. Yeah, so I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was just going to say, if we just eliminate the Nets, Magic, and Mavericks, so them really have a chance. How about before we move on to the playoffs, we just go through those 13 teams who have a good chance in the first round and just say whether our opinion of them has gone higher, lower, or neutral from the bubble. Okay, okay but before we do that, in like a quick span, can we talk about the Heat, Sixers, Lakers, and Clippers with more like length than that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just think that there's more to talk about with those four teams. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, I'll let you start with how your opinion of the Heat. I don't remember exactly what you had in your predictions, but I, if I had to assume, what did, you got to tell me? Cause I, I had them remember. losing in the second round is what I think originally. And I'm actually pretty nervous for them. Something that Yoni, I think I texted you multiple times about was Duncan Robinson was not being able, like the way teams were guarding him at beginning of games, he was not able to get started like shooting wise, which is just a problem for the entire offense as a whole. Cause a lot of the, the offense comes from getting Duncan Robinson open shooting threes and then using that to open up things like backdoor cuts and whatnot. So that was really concerning for me. Something that did look good, though, was Adebayo. I think he stepped it up even more during the bubble than before the bubble. Uh, he was running point a bit. like he, His ball handling looked great. Um, there was a game, I can't remember which one, but where he was just taking over. And uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, I'm annoyed. But either way, my point really is, is, the Heat, if they can't get Duncan hot at the beginning of games, I think it's going to be a serious problem. But something that did look good was obviously, like I said, Bam, but also Jay Crowder was playing really well. Uh, Andre Godala was questionable at best for how he played. But what I do like is he does let us, with his size, play a small ball lineup that's still defensively strong against... I, like we're not in the West, so I can't say Houston, but I don't can't really think of any other small ball lineups off the top of my head in the East, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, Sammy. You've always had a pretty big opinion about the Heat. What do you have to say? I mean, okay, I will say that with the Heat, almost more than any other team, the whole off season, like the whole the bubble being a new season, and there was an off season theory resonates more than anything to me because when you look at what happened with the Heat. Bam Adebayo took another step up, which you would have thought would happen next season. And Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero took a slight step back because it go- now instead of being rookies, which I know they still technically are, they're in like that sophomore slump where they need to figure out a second dimension to their game because that first dimension is now like broadcasted and everybody knows it and they're going to take you off that one thing. And so will they be able to adjust? I think Hero has a better chance. Like there's a reason why... Tyler Hero was drafted and Duncan Robinson wasn't. Um, and so I think Tyler Hero has a greater chance, but I worry a little bit about Duncan Robinson, not for his career, but just for these bubble, just for the bubble. I think my opinion on the Heat is slightly higher just because my opinion on some other teams is slightly lower and because they get to play the Pacers, which I think will be a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that out of any team, Josh just mentioned like how there were 13 teams who have a chance yeah. to make it to the second round. I think the Pacers might have the worst chance. Um, not because the Heat are so good, but just because I just don't think the Pacers are that good. They're dealing with injuries. So my opinion on the Heat has gone down in some places and up in other places. And it's not that I'm low on the Heat. I just don't think I, – I feel like Jimmy Butler and his whole no-friends mentality, I'm just not sure he's quite good enough to have that mentality. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't – he's not at the Damian Lillard-Kobe Bryant level. And I'm not saying Damian Lillard is necessarily at Kobe Bryant level, but – there is a case for it, but Jimmy Butler's just not, I just don't think he's that good. Like I'm never going to be able to change unless like they make the third round this year, the conference finals. I don't think that will change in my head. And I don't know. The heat are a question mark to me. Um, yeah. So I think during the bubble, the heat impressed me. I think they took one step up and a few steps back as you were talking about, Sammy. I think Tyler Hero, as you said, Duncan Robinson struggled a little bit, but Tyler Hero also didn't impress me as being more of a leader on the court than before. Um, you were talking about Jimmy Butler for a few seconds there and how he just really isn't that great of a player and how he's not on the same level as Dame and can't be taking that no friends mentality. And I 100% agree. I think, would, I mean, at least his confrontation with CP3 and what he did, I don't really understand where Jimmy Butler is coming from. I mean, that's just a part of the sport. I think Jimmy Butler really isn't on that same level as CP3. And I think the main one thing that worries me about this Heat team is can Jimmy Butler really control a game that much? I mean, Jimmy Butler gets his numbers in. He gets like, I don't even know, does he average like a 26 and 5, which is good for the best player in a team? but he doesn't really control the game as much as other star players, which especially in the playoffs, you really need someone to do. So I just don't think Jimmy will be able to control and help out as much in crunch time situations as other players would be. Yeah. I mean, I think the setting of the bubble is good for Jimmy Butler just because basically the all basketball all the time thing is sort of what he likes. Um, But I think, thing with me and the Heat is that my opinion went up of them really high after the first couple games and then a little bit down, but it's still overall higher. Just because after the first couple games, at some point I said to you, Sammy, that I wasn't, I didn't necessarily believe this, but there was a world in which Bam was the perfect Giannis stopper. And then that sort of got completely debunked in the absolute domination Giannis gave him in the past last couple minutes of their game last week. Um, when they went on like a 20 nothing run. Um, but I think a big advantage that we haven't mentioned is just how well coached they are. Um, I mean, Eric Spolster is one of the five best coaches in the NBA. And one thing that I will also say with them is that I really don't know if the numbers support this. This is really just an eye test thing. I've liked, really liked what I've seen from Goran Dragic. Um, I just think over the bubble, he was a really good leader on the court. Um, just eye test. And also, I don't know if, like, Andre Godala has a Nick Folds thing going on with the Warriors or if he's just washed. But either way, he really isn't that valuable of a contributor at this point. I mean, it's not like Josh, it's not like he wasn't good on the Nuggets or even the Sixers, though. So it's not a Nick Foles thing. Well, right. But I'm just saying, like, even last year, he doesn't necessarily look different physically, but he just fit into everything so well there. Yeah. I mean, um, he was a perfect fit for the Warriors, and now he doesn't play the same role. Yeah. Right. Like they like he kind of played they, like Jay Crowder's just a better guy for that role. Like I don't know if Andre Godala makes it into their end game lineup. Yeah, I mean he, he still gives up some stuff defensively, but 
Um, he's not like at his height. He was like sort of on the tier below defensively, like the Kawhi Leonard, Scottie Pippen level, just in terms of wing defenders. Um, he's not there anymore, and he's not just doesn't have the athleticism that he used to. Yeah, I, Aaron said him like I don't think anybody thinks we're getting the Andre Iguodala of Yor. Yeah. 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 I've always wanted to use your. I'm glad I got that in. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So next we want to do 76ers or Lakers. We might as well do the Sixers finish out our Eastern discussions. All right. Joshua Siegel. How are you? I'm doing splendid. All right. What about the Sixers? Um well the Sixers, I I, I think it's the same thing as always. They're terribly coached. They're a dysfunctional mess of a team. Um, Embiid doesn't try all the time. Simmons doesn't make sense. The Shake Milton thing is like whatever. It, they're bad. And there's a point where we just have to stop saying with them if they put it all together. Because I think it's pretty clear that this iteration of the Sixers is not going to put together. And whatever ceiling they do have is just never going to be reached. And I said I wasn't high on the Celtics, but with or without Simmons, with or without Embiid, I don't think there's much of a chance that the Sixers beat the Celtics before the playoffs. I, I would, I know, I remember before the playoffs started, Yoni, you said you were worried about the Sixers. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's changed now because if I were a Celtics fan, I think the Sixers are pretty clearly the sixth best team in the East right now. I'd um, still rather, I'd still rather play the Pacers yeah. without without Sabonis. And a hurt Oladipo and a hurt like they like. I, I think people are really not understanding just how bad the Pacers are. I think they're just hot right now, and the Sixers are dysfunctional. They're not even really that hot. They cooled the down. The Sixers were as bad. Yeah, I mean, as a Celtic, as a Celtics fan, I think I'd rather play the Pacers just because Embiid worries me a little. Like, I don't think Embiid's going to change the series, and he's going to win beat the Celtics by himself. But the one thing that the Celtics do kind of have to worry about on the defensive side is big men. And as Sammy said, the Pacers are injured. They have Miles Turner, who isn't like an amazing offensive force. Miles Turner's Hassan Whiteside esque. Like that yeah. needs to be said. Yeah, I mean, like they're not. They're. I'd rather play the Pacers, but I'm not worried about the Sixers. Yeah, yeah, like I don't. I'm not saying that the Sixers will beat them, but the ceiling is higher. And if I'm a fan in in a series where you're supposed to win, I'd rather play the team with the higher floor than a higher ceiling. And the other thing with the Sixers is like. Coming into the playoffs, Sixers fans were so excited. You know, we weren't healthy during the regular season. Our our main five guys, and remembering that one of those five guys is Al Horford, who was bench, only played 16 games together, and we were, you know, 13-3 and three in those games. And now Simmons gets hurt, and now Sixers fans are, oh, we unlocked Embiid. Watch out. And, like, it's stuff like that. Like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's – and just going forward, it's a disaster. I read this stat that – like three, it's like two years from now, there are only four NBA teams that have at least a hundred million already on the books. Um, and, and all no, of it's on Al Horford. <laughs> no one is higher than like one Oh four. And the Sixers are at one thirty two already. They went all years. in on this core and they went all in early because they had another year of cap flexibility. They traded a picks and they gave the Celtics Tatum and took Fultz traded Fultz. It's a disaster. Are the Sixers the Rams of the NBA? I never understood the Al Horford contract. 
all of it's a disaster. I mean, Alvar just doesn't work that well with Embiid. Honestly, Alvar really isn't like he's a good player, but he's not worth that much money. I mean, I think if Embiid was, if Embiid was 100% last year, they'd probably make the conference finals. Yeah, I don't understand why they didn't think- go after Jimmy. I think part of the Al Horford thing is just getting him off the Celtics because of how good he was against Embiid when they played. But that's not worth a hundred million dollars. Exactly. Yeah, that's it was a four-year yeah, deal, I think. It was four. It was years. a four-year. Four yeah, they shouldn't have signed him to four. I mean, that's crazy for. They yeah. also give Tobias Harris like the max he deserves. Does he really deserve the max he deserves? No, I don't. Like, it, I don't know. Does, this any, off season, does any third or fourth option deserve this the season? Max? Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, and Jamal Murray all got five for one seventy or one eighty, and all of them very much confused me. No, okay, Middleton and Murray's. There's something when you home grow a player. There's a different responsibility and a different feel about a contract than when you trade for someone mid season, see them for sixty games. It's not like Tobias Harris was exceptional. His numbers went down than when he was on the Clippers. And then you make it. Whereas, like, Jamal Murray almost brought that team to a conference. Like, him and Jokic almost brought that team to a conference finals. Middleton and Giannis did bring, like, I don't, it's a little different. Like, if the Sixers had made the conference finals, everything would be a little different. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think I don't it, mind right now at this moment as we speak a Middleton or Murray contract that they got. I don't um, want built-in contract Murray. I don't love as a player, but I understand it. And Tobias Harris doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I just think the Sixers and Rams are pretty comparable. Went all in one Ooh. year, and then now they're not good, and they're in salary cap hell? Yeah, I mean, and, and you could even look at it like, you know, Jared Goff was there, Tobias Harris, or something like that. Like, Well, yeah, but it, 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 the difference is, and beads their Jared Goff. You know what I mean? And Embiid's contract yeah. is worth it. Like, the Rams are in a much worse situation. The other big difference is Sean McVay and Brett Brown. Yeah, um, but, yeah, but I, I mean, I just don't. I really don't. I, I, I feel bad for Sixers fans. Like, this, yeah. it's, it's a mess. Yeah. Um, and also, it, it just shows, and this is something that's happening a lot in every sport right now. This is sort of a greater sports issue, is that, as much as sort of analytics has started to make its way into coaching in the front office, it has not made its way into ownership because ownership is just not okay with the idea of tanking for three or four years. Um, and firing Sam Presti was clearly a huge mistake because he built this team. And then ever since he left, Elton Brand and Brian Colangelo have done everything they could to gut this team. And it's something we've seen across the board um, with in every sport, we've seen it with the Browns. We saw it a little bit with the Timberwolves. We saw it with the Panthers. Um, we're just teams aren't willing to lose for this long. And it's, I, I really think firing Sam Presti is the moment that this all went downhill. Yeah. It's the Monty Williams. Like it goes back to what you're talking about. Yeah. I um, think, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I, I was just going to say, I, I really think it's a big, I, I think it's sort of a greater problem in sports about just how the the attitude around sports is such a win now attitude, but the thinking around sports is so much around sort of the long game and the two of those just, two of those just don't coincide. I mean, ownership looks at winning now and making money. And if you're going to lose for the next five years or even like seven years, you're, you're not going to want to be an owner of that team right. because you're not going to want to be losing money and not winning. It's just not going to bode yeah. well. And listen, the reality of it is that a lot of owners are really old. 
Yeah. And yeah, are, what kind of how many owners are avid sports fans? Yeah. I mean, right. And there there are Jaguars well, owner and we know Steve Bomber, one. maybe. Well, Steve Bomber's been a great owner. But the, it's the Clippers. But they're not I mean, this is this is what's been happening with the Jets with their owner Woody Johnson, who's refused to just go all in on a rebuild. Um, and he's like, I'm gonna hire Adam Gase because he's a win now guy, just because he said something like I'm 85. I don't know how many years I have left. I'm not going to be around long enough for a rebuild. Yeah. Um, same reason why Jerry Jones is paying all these guys, even though I don't think the Cowboys core is quite good enough. Um, yeah, I mean, ownership would rather go 5-11 and 11 or like 6-10 and 10 every year, well, this is football, and not win but make some money than have a rebuild for the next five years. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think if you just look at it transactionally, ever since Sam Presti – if you just look at his moves, he probably, I would say, had maybe a 75% success rate just in terms of building this team. And ever since he's left, they basically had a similar batting average to Chris Davis. Just in terms of like, did this move work or not? Um, and I, it's really, I think, the underrated subplot of this entire Sixers narrative of the past six or seven years. So let's say they go, I know this isn't talking about the playoffs, but let's say they do finally choose, let's rebuild, let's refix this because it's not working. They don't have that option. Is that what you're talking about? They don't have have a rebuilding option. They don't have a retooling option. They're past the picks that they collected from rebuilding and they're into the, we're paying all these guys if they don't win. Uh Oh, yeah. I mean, for the years, all they they have to hang all the, all the hope they have realistically is Thibel and like picks in the mid twenties that hopefully become soup. But like, even if they hit on one and if Simmons and Embiid still can't play together, yeah. it's not going to matter. Their, their Other biggest teams, dream then, sorry, my bad, Sammy. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. I was going to say their biggest dream then, and what they're banking on the most is that Simmons learns how to shoot at that point. But even then, do they really fit together? I think they fit better. Cause you could pick up. I'm not saying Ricky Rubio exactly, but someone like a Ricky Rubio, who could be more of the predominant ball handler and have Simmons. But Simmons is never going to be good enough yeah. off the ball to be a creative shooter. Like, is, he's Simmons not going to be Duncan Robinson. have the ball in his hands. I think even if Simmons learns the ability to shoot, that only helps him in a situation where you're surrounding him with shooters. I think there comes a point where they're going to have to pick one of them, but they're not going to do that because they're going to say the issue is Brett Brown, which is true. Brett Brown has tanked this team, but even with a great coach, I'm not sure how far they could go. And the other issue is this should have been the year that Brett Brown was fired. And then next year should have been the year that Embiid and Simmons were split up. What's going to happen is Brett Brown's going to keep his job because Simmons was hurt and everything's pushed back another year. Yeah. What if they get swept? Even if Simmons, it won't hurt. matter. I, I, I'm I'm ninety I'm ninety two point six eight two percent sure that his job is safe because he can just say Simmons is our second best player. Simmons might have been our best player this year. He was hurt, and mm-hmm. and like uh, it's just it's a disaster there. And there even if he does get fired, they're still three to four years away from any chance of being seriously competitive. Like uh, it's, it's it's disastrous. Yeah, I mean, I think if they really want to rebuild, they need to trade one right now or very soon there is no rebuild for retool, retool is retool. the right word retool is the correct word yeah, it, yeah they have to get rid of one of them to make um, space for more players better i still i still think that they should get rid of Embiid if they get rid of one yeah, but that's I, a conversation for a different all time. right should we move on to the west yes. yeah yeah 
Or honestly, at this point, should we quickly just finish out if we think the Pacers have got like that's the only other team yeah. like has your opinion on the Pacers gotten better or not? I it's for me, it's the same. I think they're bad. I think they should get swept or maybe take it to five games. It's gotten with better. You on that, I think they'll lose, but how I just don't get how it's gotten better. The only way for me, the bonus is hurt, Josh, just because of how good TJ Warren's been. Yeah, but he's but not gonna, he hasn't even been that good. He had a couple hot games and then kind of oh. slowed it down. I mean, yeah, he, that's yeah, I think I, n- I never considered the Pacers to be a serious contender. Like, better doesn't mean I think they'll go any more than five games. Yeah. I mean, I think they're the same for me, but they're not, they're not going to win a series. TJ Warren was great, but he's not going to win a series for you. So. Plus, it's like, who's waiting for him? Jimmy Butler. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Jimmy Butler's not going to let him score 50. I'll tell you that much. All right. So, should Definitely. we move on to the West? Yeah. yeah do we yeah. want to start bottom or top? Well, should we maybe work our way up since we're going to be talking about the Clippers and the Lakers more? Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of already covered the Trailblazers unless anyone has anything else they want to say about them. I just have one quick thing that I wanted to mention earlier, but we kind of got away from it, which was just how well Nurkic is moving despite that very gruesome leg injury he had where he literally like snapped his leg. I'm surprised he's still playing as a top three center, but that's just my one quick thing on the Blazers. Yeah, the Blazers are good. They're the third or fourth best team in the West. They have to play the Lakers. As a fan, you hope it goes deep into the series. As a Lakers fan, you feel kind of slighted. As a Timber or as a Trailblazers fan, you also feel kind of slighted. But this is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about the Mavericks or Josh? Or do you think they're just not going to make it? They aren't in that thirteen of. I mean, I don't think they have. A I mean, for me, the opinion's gotten worse. I feel like a few of us had mentioned six games. That just doesn't seem realistic anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's just Luca is a transcendent offensive talent. He needs to become a better shooter. Um, and they're not that great defensively. It's sort of the same thing as it always has. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything else to that, really. Uh, should we move on to the Yarny, do you have something to say? One quick thing about the Mavs. I think if they weren't playing the Clippers, like if they were playing the Jazz, maybe like the Rockets or Thunder, I think they could get to seven and maybe win a series. I think I think a little bit higher of the Mavs than most people. But, I, I mean, I, I think they're a really great offensive team. They have their defensive struggles, but just because they're playing the Clippers in the yeah. first round. I think they might be better than the Jazz. I just think they're playing the Clippers and the Jazz are playing the Nuggets. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a big difference. And the Clippers are just going to throw Kawhi and PG at Luka. Yeah. And the, the one other thing is Luka, they need more movement in their offense because it's so ISO heavy and Luka gets tired towards the end of the games. Mm-hmm. That, that's been a consistent trend I've been seeing throughout the Luka's game. been so bad in crunch time. Um, I mean, uh, you guys know I'm not a, the biggest Luka guy. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to the Jazz. I think it's fair yeah. to say the Jazz could get swept. This in this upcoming series, yeah. I mean, Mike Conley's not playing for the first few games. Not that he's an amazing player, yeah. But he has been playing better in the bubble. They, they, they just missed Bogdanovich. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I, I think people are underrating a lot of people miss Bogdanovich, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. Um, the past think, two teams he's played on miss him at this point. I think people are underrating how much he does for the, their offense and overrating. Or people underrated how much he did for their offense and overrated 
what Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal brought to the table for them. Definitely. Um, and I just think those guys aren't as good with the ball in their hands as he is. Yeah. Um, and I think Donovan Mitchell goes in and out. Um, it, it, there's clearly behind the scenes stuff going on. We saw in a game like their game against the Nuggets about a week ago that he, when he, when he, he can still be a top five or 10 shooting guard in the league. Um, but I just don't see it happening. I don't think they're deep enough. I think outside of Gobert, there's not a ton that I love defensively. Um, and yeah, it's, I think they're sort of just a cross-off team. But they have one of the most promising players in the league. Jarrell Brantley, college of Charleston graduate. Jarrell Brantley. Hey, he made it past this. That's another time. Another story for another time. But I'm just saying, Jarrell Brantley, look out for him in the playoffs. He'll get his, like, one minute of playing time. I doubt he'll play Aaron. Jarrell Brantley. We might be getting swept. Yeah, it's a sweep. But yeah, I mean, I'm not as sure as you guys that it's going to be a sweep, but it's. Not, I don't think I don't it's going to be a sweep. Nuggets I just, five. Uh, that big. I think yeah, it's Nuggets in five, five or six. six. Yeah, that's um, exactly. I, what I, I think I'm like. I think those are the two most boring teams anyway. But Jokic versus Gobert is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, two very different centers in philosophy, mentality, yeah. and the only thing they really have in common is the Corona. Yeah. They could bond. Um, but, all right. So then we have, sure. they can kiss and they'd be fine. <sighs> then we have the thunder. Uh, I think I'm getting the thunder over the rockets. Chris Paul revenge. I don't know. I don't know if that's what we're doing right now, but I, I can't I, go there. I think my opinion on them has stayed the same. Yeah, me too. I think it will be they're a good fun. Team. They're cool. I think it will be a good, they're a good rockets team. Are a better team. Their yeah. forwards are still questionable, though I think what's his name? Baisley? Isn't that his name? Yeah. He seemed to play better than I anticipated, but it's still there. They have their three guards in Shea, Chris Paul, and Dan Schroeder. They have Gallinari and they have Adams, and outside of that, everything else and, is questionable. And when you really kind of look at it, the Rockets match up pretty well with this. And that's team. what I was about to say. I think this is a great matchup for them because I think they're going to do the Steven Adams what they've done to Rudy Gobert in the past. I think they're just going to force him off the floor. And then... Well, first, they're going to force him on Harden. Yeah. Three and one threes later, he'll be off the floor. Um, and then just the Rockets match up perfectly with a three-point guard lineup. Um, yeah, they have six or seven-point guards that are pretty good. And Also, Ro- I really like... I, I think Robert Covington, I, I, just, I really think he's perfect for that team. Yeah. This has been... Sorry, Josh, go ahead. Well, it's just... We've said it before, the Thunder have the worst, maybe the worst wings in the NBA, and the Rockets just have wing after wing to throw at them. Like, I've loved what I've seen from Daniel House so far. Robert Covington is great for them. I mean, it's just, I really like Yeah, like, Yoni, I would say you saying the Thunder are going to win is like an actually, like, a really hot take. Yeah, Yeah. I I think it's a Like, I think the Thunder can win depending on how long Westbrook is out. I think, yeah. I mean, Westbrook's out for a few games. We don't know how many. I think Steven Adams will be fine. I don't think – I mean, he might he might be forced off the court in the first few minutes of the game, so this might be very stupid. Of me. Well, no, I think that's the thing. I think he's going to be forced off the court at the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, he like just, I don't see how he – Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think – He's their fifth guy at that point, though. That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, and one other thing I just think to look out for with the Rockets is that – 
I know there's a narrative around playoff Harden. And I think they're just the reason that that narrative exists is just the workload that Harden has in the regular season and that it just catches up to him in the playoffs. And we see it time after time he gets tired, but he's coming off of a four and a half month layoff. Like basically what we're saying is James Harden is starting the playoffs after the first eight games of the regular season. Yeah. I mean, and if you remember, what did he do the first, like until new year's, he averaged like what? 37. And it's just like last year, we saw the workload James Harden had to have in January and February and it called up to him in the playoffs, and there's just not that happening this year. Um, yeah. I think, and and even even more like Westbrook took a lot of that off of him. You know Westbrook's yeah. play style. I think this is I the mean, most refreshed work we've seen Harden in a long time. Mm-hmm. I really like what I've seen from him in the bubble. Um, and I, I think that I'm, all, that, I'm just I, I love I love both Harden and Westbrook, and yeah. I hope that this works for them. Yeah, um, and I, I think I, th- I think they're a really good team. I'm with you on that one, Josh. I think they also have PJ Tucker, my favorite player in the NBA, who played really well in the bubble. I just trust CP3 a lot. I mean, I, I think him and with the three guard lineup, and I think he, him and Stephen Adams could do really well on the offensive side against the Rockets. Right, but who's who's the best player on each team, and who's better? It's Harden is better than CP3, right? Harden is better than CP3, and then, at the and end, then after that, even without Westbrook, the teams are pretty comparable. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I just think the Thunder throughout the season and in the bubble games have been one of the more clutch teams, at least in the games that I've watched. So I think I trust the Thunder a little more than some other people just because I've seen them more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, but in terms of what you're going to get from the Thunder on a game-to-game basis, their floor is so high. But the ceiling on other teams and they're more exciting teams, like the Rockets, I don't know how much lower their floor is, but their ceiling is just way, way higher. Like... I, I, I feel like the Rockets, if Westbrook misses the whole series, will still win. I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's how I feel. I agree with that. Um, remember, listen, remember, even two years ago without CP3, it took an 0 for 27 for the Rockets to lose by 9 to the Warriors in Game 7. Like, losing James Harden number two is not the be-all and end-all. Especially when you have a refreshed James Harden. And James Harden always wins a playoff series. Yeah, and a team that's just perfectly suited to him. And I think Billy Donovan's kind of overrated as a coach, and I think Mike D'Antoni's underrated as a coach. Well, I think that's just a great coaching matchup. Like, uh, I don't... I just think so much of what's been accredited to Billy Donovan this year is just stuff that Chris Paul does wherever he goes. Um, to just sort of be... Yeah, but even... even like last year, the Thunder were better than people thought they were going to be. Right, but I mean, they were I, I don't, like I don't. I don't think he's overrated. I just think it's a good coaching matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think Billy I don't take anything away from either coach. Um, but but yeah, I, I think the Rockets will win that. So should we move on to the Nuggets? The three seeded sure. Nuggets. I would nuggets. say my opinion on them has gotten higher. Yeah, the for light. sure, for sure, my opinion on them has gotten higher. Yeah, me too. Um, because. Jets- Joe- they they did what I feel like the Sixers can't do. They yeah. took a core, and they had to pay his core, and then they still found ways to acquire exciting young talent. Yeah, I mean, I think – I wonder if any of you guys disagree with me. I think of the guys left in the bubble, I think there's a pretty clear top eight guys. I think it's no particular order, Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Davis, um, Harden, Luka, 
Lillard and Jokic. That was only. That was eight. I was counting. All right. Yeah. I mean, um, I think Jokic is one of those players. Yeah. I mean, Jokic has been incredible. And Michael Porter Jr. finally seems healthy, and they said they're starting him in the playoffs. Yeah. He stepped up his game a lot. Um, the question is. A question I have is, how are they going to use Bol Bol? Do we think he's going to get playing time? You know, I see play, your face, but, but, but if they overuse him, that's going to be an issue. I mean, Bol Bol is good, but why is that the question you have? Like, that's not because he yeah. played well during the bubble games, and no, he he's, he's a pickup basketball player. I think he played well during the bubble games, and I think so he unlocks a large lineup for them that's going to be hard to defend at times. They have- when are, since when are people trying to unlock large lineups? Yeah, I mean, Bobo, like is, he's not going to get big minutes or, like, big lineups. Like, they're not going to do that. They're not going to be like, oh, let's let's go big, bull, bull, go play power. Like, it's yeah. not – that's nothing. Yeah. People I mean, will run I, around I, them. I think the biggest thing is just Jokic is just going to be the key because he's going to – their entire strategy is going to be revolved around Jokic drawing Rudy Gobert away from the basket. Skinny Jokic with something else. Yeah, he, he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Josh, you talked about Michael Porter Jr., and I think he's the biggest point outside of Jokic for this team because I've always been worried about Jamal Murray and him being consistent. I mean, he's a I've good I've never player, liked Jamal Murray. But I just I have my worries about him, especially in the playoffs. I don't think, I've never met anybody who likes Jamal Murray. Yeah, but if yeah. Michael Porter Jr. can consistently score 20 or even like just play well on the offensive side, he'll make it much easier for this Nuggets team to win. Yeah, I mean, he was just hitting shots that Luka hits, that Dame hits. Like, yeah, he, he's just he's great. And I, I just think with Jokic, the biggest thing is just how in shape he is. I mean, because I mean his body—it's just so attractive. Stop yeah. eating those McDonald's. So something that really worried me throughout the year with the Nuggets is I, for some reason, whenever I watch the Nuggets, their games go to overtime. I wound up watching like two or three overtime Nuggets games this year. And every time I watched, Jokic would just be tired and would just not really be a factor. He would sort of just stand at the top of the key and not move a lot. And then they had a couple overtime games in the bubble, and he was dominating and, like, scoring all their points. Josh, we watched one together. Yeah. And it it was just a complete revelation to see Jokic dominating a game in overtime and just have the stamina to play through for that long. And I I think it's a real advantage for them. And they have – listen, the Nuggets have a top eight guy. And whenever you have a top eight guy, that's a good thing to start with. Yeah, yeah. but the, the only issue is for the first time in NBA history, you don't want your top eight guy to be a center. Yeah. That's just I, the reality. Of, like, like he, if there was a time where Jokic would probably like you like he doesn't really fit into 80s style basketball, but like we're a center. Now you want your top eight guy to be a guard. Like I'd rather, and that's kind of why I think the Trailblazers are better than the Nuggets. Like I'd just rather have Dame and a team revolved around him than a team revolved around him. Oh, I agree. I think the Nuggets are pretty clearly the fifth best team in the East. West, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think it's better to have a wing or a guard as your top eight guy in the league. But also, Jokic isn't your classic center. Like, he's not just like a first player. But it doesn't change the the fact that he's not going to be able to create a shot from the perimeter for himself. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, I I think that's the reason why Michael Porter Jr., stepping up and creating yeah. those shots out of nowhere is such a big deal for them. And yeah, absolutely. They're also very well coached. I really like Mike Malone. Yeah. All right. I mean, they have options. I mean, they have a good bench. Also, Gary Harris and Will Barton, I think, will be joining them in the playoffs. They didn't play at all. I know they had a bad regular season, but I don't think they played at all in the bubble. Maybe, as we've talked about, this is kind of like a second season. Maybe this four-month break will have switched their play a bit and they'll be doing better. 
I don't know. I'm kind of just rambling here as where I think it could go really well for them if Harris and Barnes step up. Biggest question for me is just Jamal Murray. I never like him. He's just one of those guys who I feel like is so erratic and so inconsistent. And KP, you remember when we were watching the Jazz Nuggets game together? Jamal Jamal Murray came to the free throw line at the end of the game. And I said something to you where, and it's sort of a greater thing I have, which I think clutch free throws at the end of the game have very little to do with your free throw percentage. Um, Correct. Because the entire science around free throws is building muscle memory and thinking about it. But when you're shooting at the end of the game and have that much pressure, you're objectively thinking about it. And I think you can, you can usually tell what a guy's going to do before he shoots the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to KP, he's going one of two. And, and he went one like of two. like an 85% video shooter. He actually wound up missing both of them. Oh, I thought he went one of two, but I yeah, misremembered he missed, that. He sort of missed the second one on purpose because they didn't have a timeout. Um, but yeah, it, it just worries me. Sometimes I just... And sometimes he has it, but too often I just see him have the deer in the headlights look at the end of games. That is where I kind of disagree. I agree that he's a little bit overrated in the general landscape. I also agree that most people hate him to the point where some people think he's underrated. But the one thing that I do think he has is confidence. And sometimes that, sometimes that is all you need because he's, he'll, he thinks he's going to make the last shot. And so if he needs to, because Jokic has doubled or because Michael Porter Jr. is not playing well that game, I still think he's a solid third option. I think yeah. as a second option, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked him. But I think like if Michael Porter Jr. really established himself, and I think we all agree he, his ceiling is way higher than Jamal Murray's, I think Jamal Murray can be a great third option. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Jamal Murray is one of the most confident young scorers in the league. Right. He's an amazing player, but if you need him at the end of the game, especially in the bubble, he's been playing well. It's like McCollum. Like when, when Lillard's being doubled, McCollum can take over a game. I actually think McCollum, I, I trust McCollum so much more than Murray. I mean, I think. I mean, Murray the- kind of did it last year for them in the play. Like Murray and McCollum was a huge storyline, and McCollum right, outplayed but- him in the end, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Murray was huge. I mean, but I think even with McCollum, just going back to the same thing with the free throws, when they were playing the Mavericks, McCollum was terrible that game, right? He was like two of 14. And then he gets fouled up by one with like four seconds left. And by all accounts, he should have the deer in the headlights look. But he has an extremely confident look. He goes to the line, takes two dribbles, and knocks down the free throws. I just think, I think McCollum, I think there's a difference between being irrationally confident and being overconfident. I think Murray is overconfident. I think McCollum is irrationally confident. Wouldn't you rather be overconfident? No, because irrationally Irrational confident to me means Mark is smart taking 12 threes in a game. No, overconfident I mean, to me means you don't care. means CJ McCollum taking a game stealing shot because he just doesn't care who's on him. No, yeah. because for me, an irrational confidence guy is that, um, Irrational just does not have positive connotations. Like it's for me, those guys are always just like sort of like a Patrick Beverly type of guy. And McCollum is you've always called Marcus smart. Now that I think about it, I feel like you just kind of mixed it up and like you're just kind of changing things. Whatever whatever you want to define it, I think there are sort of two separate lanes that they're in. I mean I think And all I'm trying to say is that Jamal Murray, the difference between the two is Jamal Murray can be a great third option. McCollum's a great second option. So I think McCollum is better, but I think Murray can be a great third option. I think we, I agree with you. Um, Should we move on to LA? Are we going to do that? I mean, we kind of already talked about the Rockets. We've talked about everybody. 
I think we're ready for the the LA. Yeah, the two big ones. Los Angeles, California, with its sandy beaches, warm oceans, and just great life in general. Plus, two basketball teams. Who will play? Well, yeah, I guess we can talk about that. Okay. Who will go to the NBA Finals? Messing around the side, let's just go Clippers, guys. They're the two seed. The Clippers looked pretty strong out there, I think. I think they're the best team in the West at this point. I, I've changed on them. I think, I mean, I think it's just hard to talk about the Clippers without talking about the Lakers. Um, I think we should sort of talk about these two teams together. Um, and what just worries me with the Lakers is, A, I've talked about it a lot. Their guard play sucks. Like, their guards are terrible. Contavious Caldwell Pope is awful. And Danny Green has been very inconsistent. And really, it's been a few years since Danny Green has been a consistent basketball player. Um, I really like Alex Caruso, but I don't necessarily love surrounding him with LeBron just because he's not a spot-up shooter. I like him better off the bench, but I think he's one of their best five guys, and it's sort of an issue when they try to close with him. Um, I also like Quinn Cook around LeBron, but he's just very streaky, as much as I love Quinn Cook. Um, and I think the biggest thing that worries me is just that they don't know who they are right now. Um, just they, they, They've been mixing up rotations and matchups every game, and they're trying to figure everything out. And really what it looks like what's happening with the Lakers right now is what we see happen a lot from sort of November to January range where with the Heat and the Cavs and then the Lakers, how many times have we seen a LeBron team who goes through that struggling phase where it's like, oh boy, is this the year? But then they figure it out and come April fine. And it just worries me that right now they're having that going into a series against maybe the hottest team in the NBA. Um, What I'm going to chime in and say that I still am sticking with the Lakers and it's because of what you just kind of did there, Josh. And this is just something that goes beyond basketball and it might not be like the smartest take, but it's just something that's in my gut. And it's the fact that KP said, let's start with the Clippers and you ended up having to talk about the Lakers. And like you said yourself, you can't talk about one without talking about the other. The Lakers are the Clippers older brother. They always have been. And I still think they always will be most definitely, almost definitely. And you have LeBron in this big brother role and Kawhi in this little brother role. And you're going to see who's going to win. And at the end of the day, I I trust LeBron. I think Anthony Davis is awesome. And I trust LeBron to realize that Anthony Davis is awesome. And so I'm going to stay with the Lakers on the contingency that they can, that LeBron can show that he's okay letting Anthony Davis take over. I just think have more guys. Yeah, but I just think the Lakers top guys are better. I agree. The Lakers do have more depth, but I think in crunch time in the playoff series, what's going to matter is how good your top players are. We've talked about, like Sammy said, we've talked about it before. It's you will oftentimes think which team has the best player in the series. And I think it's fair to say that the Lakers do. The Lakers have the first and third best player in the series. And that, that, and like you, you named eight guys, Josh, and two of them were on the Lakers. I know. It's just. And so when it comes down to crunch time and, and that's the thing. Talk about death, talk about et cetera. All these games will come down to crunch time. Uh, I mean, I think it's a couple things. I think the other thing that worries me is just the layout of the playoffs, where I think in the first and the second round, the Lakers have the harder matchup if we just go chalk. Like, if we just go by our predictions, the Clippers have to beat the Mavericks and Nuggets to get there. The Lakers are going to have to beat the Blazers and Rockets. And Lakers are going to have to work a lot harder to that. And it's just, I'm just worried about a Lakers team 
that's trying to figure things out as they play the Blazers. And I think the Blazers are going to take them to six or seven. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to lose. I think at this point, you kind of have to be psychotic to say that the conference finals is not going to be Lakers Clippers. But I'm just worried about where the Lakers are right now as a team in comparison to where the Clippers are right now as a team. Um, and I just think the Clippers make more sense right now. I think if you look at the... The Lakers are better than the Clippers. That's what my... Like, I, I don't... The Lakers are better than the Clippers. Any I year, that's the are. truth. I don't I think, think the, the Clippers different. are better than the Lakers. I think none of this, this might matter because LeBron James and Anthony Davis could take over. But it worries me that... It was a That's two why point, the Lakers are better. It was a two-point game without Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. Um, and LeBron has been struggling in the bubble so far. He's gonna- but Josh, everything that you're talking about, like when it comes down to a playoff series, especially with two teams of those magnitudes, the games are going to come down to the wire. Like we know it. Yeah. There's no way that the Clippers blow out the Lakers for their four wins. And like if they were to win the series. So when it gets down to crunch time, who do I trust more? It's the Lakers. It just is. And so I that's where my... I, I just think if it comes down to crunch time, the Clippers are going to be playing four on two. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's also the Lakers defensively don't really... Like, they don't worry me. Like, I think that they are that they match up well with the Clippers in the sense that it's not like the Clippers have... Like, I think Damian Lillard is going to be harder for them to contain at the end of the game than, like, Kawhi and Paul George would be. And, I mean... Like, you saw LeBron locked up Kawhi and Paul George at the, the last of possession game. of that game. I mean, like, like, I, I like, yeah, think... his game winner was te- like textbook basketball, follow your miss. But that locking up, like I, I, I can't pick against the Lakers to be. I, I just think, I just think the thing that worries me is that the best player on the floor for the Lakers is going to need to be Anthony Davis because really the Clippers do match up perfectly with LeBron. And I talked about it on the pod earlier where LeBron's poor performance against the Clippers wasn't, in aberration against the Clippers this year. He's averaging 21 points per game on 37 from the field, 20% from three, and he's only getting to the line three times a game. With that's one game winner and one defensive team. And that, that's because they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, Anthony, they have no, they have no answer for Davis. I'm not quite sure whether the Lakers have enough answers for all the Clippers guys. I just think the Clippers have more things to throw at them. And I think in a seven game series, there comes a point where you see what the other team is doing and they're just the Clippers have more variation of their team. And I think the Lakers don't even necessarily know what their team is right now. And it worries me. I mean, you just said that the Clippers have no answer for Anthony Davis. Like I, I don't worry. That uh, LeBron exactly. James, like LeBron James is one of the smart, is the smartest basketball player in the world right now. He's and the smartest has, player ever. He's the smartest player ever. And he knows that Anthony Davis, that like the Clippers have no one to go against AD. So at the end of the games, he's going to feed AD, and he does, he knows that he's not going to have to score 40, 10, and 10. Uh, he's not. In that game against the Clippers, LeBron took over at the end, and it kind of worried me. I mean, he got a good follow, but that initial shot was a terrible shot. And you can't Josh, be on the follow. Josh, 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 it's, it's LeBron, though. Like, it's LeBron. At the end of those games, Anthony Davis should be having the ball. Not exactly, and you don't trust LeBron to figure that out? Yeah. I Like, right oh, now, your gut's telling you, it's going to come down to the fact that LeBron doesn't realize Anthony Davis should have the ball. Is that like, I'm wondering if that's something that you feel. That's not the reason for it, but that's something that worries me. And it's just LeBron has not been that good against the Clippers this year because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I I don't don't know what that, like I. Are the two best wing defenders in the NBA. And it's the best defensive matchup LeBron will ever have faced in the playoffs in his entire career. 
Um, and it worries me. And I think I, I'm just worried about the way it matched up. I think the Clippers are deeper. They're better coached. They know who they are. They make more sense as a team and they're going to have less of a hard path to the conference finals. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say that they're going to have like, if, if it gets to the conference finals, the Lakers and Clippers are in it and the Lakers have played 13 games and the Clippers have only played like nine games, you know, then we can talk about it. But right now, I'm not going to bet my prediction based on assuming that certain teams are going to beat certain teams to cause certain teams to have more trouble against certain teams. I think it's also just the stress level. Like, even how many games it goes. Let's just say... The I Lakers, mean, if the Clippers relax for a second against, against the Mavericks or the Nuggets, they'll lose. Let's just say the Clippers beat the Mavericks in five and the Lakers beat the Blazers in six. Which I think is probably what I'm predicting right now. And is I think, a fair assumption. Those are going to be six high-stress games against the Blazers, whereas the Clippers, it's just not going to be as stressful for them. I'm, I'm just worried about I, – I, 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 really, what it comes down to, the biggest thing is just the guards. Their guards are terrible. I mean, I, I think LeBron and AD and the Lakers can handle some stressful games. I'm not worried. Right. That, exactly. I, I just I don't mean, think – I think there comes a point where it's just not a fixable problem, that they miss Avery – What do you mean? Um, that they miss Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo – and so they, now all of a sudden Patrick Beverly's getting game winners. Like that's why I like the matchup. They, I mean, they have Lou Will first of all. Yeah, and but you, do you want who do you want with the ball at the end of the game? It's not the same where it's like Anthony Davis needs the ball to Lou Will needs the ball because LeBron will strap like Kawhi and Paul George. One of those two will still be taking the shot. Yeah. They have more guys who I trust. Right? Like at the uh, end of the day, but it with, doesn't matter. Josh, don't need more day, guys. You see, with a minute left in games, like you're still playing basketball and you have other guys taking shots like Quinn cook was taking big shots. And it worries me that I'm watching a game and thinking Quinn cook makes the most sense for this team right now. And that's coming as someone who like loves Quinn cook because of everything he did for Duke. But it just worries me with them. I mean, I'm not, I don't think the Clippers are relying on Lou will to win them a series. I don't think the Lakers are relying. We're going to rely on Bradley or Rondo to win the series. Right, They're relying on Anthony the Lakers. Brad, listen, when the Lakers beat the Clippers on that Sunday game, that was the Avery Bradley game. Am I a little worried that the Lakers guards aren't that great and aren't as good as Lou Will? Yes. It's but worse than like, aren't that great. They're awful. Is that going to swing a whole series? No. I think I, it will. I think that's where we disagree. I think just the Lakers, like, I think. I so think you're, to me, that just means you're saying they're not going to be close games. The only way the Clippers, with what you're saying, win the series is they blow them out. No, because at the end of close games, that's still what matters. And like LeBron and AD will be more tired and depth matters in a team in close. They're going to be more tired than who? Than Kawhi and Paul George. Is that like, yeah. I don't, or then Lou Williams. Like I, I'm fine with Lou Williams. Kawhi to, and like, Paul George. It, it, make Lou Williams take the shot. Like it, it, I really think the Lakers, like, I don't know who the Lakers best guard is, but I, right now I would take Pat Bev, Lou will, and even Reggie Jackson over any guard the Lakers have right now. I mean, I mean it's the, the thing is LeBron plays point guard, and then he can guard anybody on defense. Yeah. So, yes, uh, they're lacking guard scoring, but defensively they're not really lacking anything in terms of guard play. In, on, with the caveat that Avery Bradley could strap someone like Damian Lillard. I'm just talking about against the Clippers. I mean, yeah. I think and, and I don't mean that he'd strap Damian. You know what I mean. They really yeah. miss Avery Badly. Um, but so I think, Oman, can we talk about the way the Lakers and Clippers and Blazers match up? Because I've been thinking a lot about that series. I mean, we'll, I feel like we'll kind of talk about that. Like when we kind of talk about it, like, I don't, I mean, I just I guess quickly, 
I just think the key for them is Anthony Davis because I've been thinking a lot about what they're going to do with Lillard. And I think there are two things that they can do. Um, One of them is just Anthony Davis is going to, you can't really contain Lillard on the perimeter. You can stop him from getting to the hoop Um, because we saw in the Blazers Mavericks game, um, Porzingis would try to treat over on the high ball screens. And by the time he got back, Lillard was too quick and would blow by him to the hoop. And with Anthony Davis, I think with Anthony Davis, even though it's a cross sport comparison, I my oh, I've always felt like the best comparison for Anthony Davis defensively is Ed Reed, um, just because he basically pray, plays free safety for the Lakers on the pick and roll, and I haven't seen many guys who are able to get back that quickly, and he's just going to have to take that to a whole nother level. And like we saw, even with Ed Reed, like when he would play Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. He would play mind tricks on them and cover more ground than seemed humanly possible. I think the other thing is just they're going to try to wear Dame down because the one advantage of not having many good guards is that you have a lot of fouls to give. And when no one's going to be able to guard him anyway, they're just going to throw a bunch of people at him and just have them be physical with him and beat up on him and just try to never make him comfortable. Um, But I think it's going to be a really interesting series just from an X's and O's standpoint. Yeah, I, sounds good. I, I haven't prepared much on this or really thought about it too much. But a lot of what you're saying does make sense is about as much as I have to I say. Mean, I just think in order for the Blazers to win this series, Dame is going to have to sort of do the stuff that AI did. Because I think Dame is going to be defended the way AI was, which is just we're going to beat you up and beat you up more and foul you a lot. And I mean, just, oh. now you're just quoting Raja Abeljaj. Yeah, so? Like, I'm just saying, like, let's just move on. I mean, the AI thing is just a comparison that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, for Maja Bell. But, I, like, at the end of the day, I think that's what the Lakers are going to need to do. I don't think the Blazers have much of a chance. I mean, they're a really good team, and they've been playing well, but I don't think they have much of a chance of beating I agree. Them. I don't think they'll win. It's going to go six or seven. I would be surprised if it's only go five. goes five. Just, AD will meet him at the rim. They'll throw a bunch of people at him on defense. Like, I don't think they're going to stick LeBron on him for the entire game just because LeBron doesn't do that too well, much. I think they should stick LeBron on him in crunch time. Yeah, I mean, in crunch yeah. time, yes, but throughout the entirety of every game, they're not going to stick one guy on him just because it doesn't work with Dame. Yeah, I mean, and I think just the biggest thing is the Blazers have no answer for LeBron. I mean, like, Nurkic is, Nurkic is about as good of an answer as someone can come up with for Anthony Davis, but the Blazers' closing lineup is three guards – a forward who's a defensive liability in Nurkic. Yeah. Um, and they might need to play Zach Collins over Mello in crunch time. Um, it also hurts their offense because that takes Yeah. It. Yeah. It's not it, 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 I, I just think matchup-wise, that's the biggest issue for the Blazers. Um, I think really – I think we're going to need to see LeBron being really aggressive this series because as much because, as – Yeah, because well, yeah, also Anthony Davis is going to need to be aggressive later. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as much as we talked about how Anthony Davis is going to need to take over against the Clippers, I think LeBron's going to need to do that against the Blazers. I mean, Which I he right. definitely and has the capability to do that. Right, and he's the best player we've ever seen. Um, so we're, none of us are too worried. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was a fun one. Yeah. And long one too. In August, why not? And can we just so, give a shout out to the NBA for putting this all together? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Josh, can you give them the shout-out, please? A hearty Yashikoach for the NBA. They're they're doing really well. I mean, not only, like, did they manage to pull this off during COVID, 
But this is the most fun I've ever had watching the NBA, just in terms of the quality of the season and the excitement of the, like just the excitement of this particular season over other seasons. Yeah. Like I was thinking before today, I think there are six teams who can win the title. Yeah, um, it was 20 years ago when the season started, but it was exciting because the Warriors were bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this year there are six teams who can win the title. Last year, going into the playoffs, there was four and a maybe Philly. The year before, there were two. And this is all basically like March Madness. Yeah. Like tomorrow is Monday, and we have games from 1.30 through 11.30. Gonna be great. The level right. of play of every game makes my stress levels go so high. I think yeah. going into the bubble, I don't know. I wasn't. I was a little worried about that level of play and just how much I would get into it, just because there are no fans and we're getting back into it. But right away, it's been amazing, and I think and it's getting better. Like that playing game yesterday was a different level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And listen, just going into the series, I don't know if I've ever been as excited for a one eight as I am with Blazers Lakers. Agreed. I mean, just because... Not since Wizards Raptors. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not even really kidding, though, because, like, that Wizards team was was way better than an eight seed. Yeah. John Wall was hurt all year. I mean, they took him to say... Okay. Thank you guys for listening. I I mean, but it's just... (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, with Blazers-Lakers, just sort of the generic mindset of a 1-8 matchup is that the over-under for number of games it goes is 4.5. And I think for Blazers-Lakers, it's 5.5. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just really excited to see that series. Yeah. All right. I think we all are. This we is- look forward to watching playoff basketball. We look forward to more podcasts as the playoffs kind of continue uh, with reactions, predictions, all that fun stuff. Maybe we'll do some overreactions, underreactions. Maybe Josh will talk about the Orioles. Um, we'll talk about the Orioles. But yeah, other than that, uh, unless anybody has anything else they wanted to add, uh, I'm ready to wrap it up. Uh, my quick thing that I always got to add is don't forget to check out our Instagram and Twitter at the floater pod, as well as floaterpod.com. Uh, get excited for playoff basketball, get excited for baseball and get excited for the final four of the champions league. Had to plug that one right there. And listen, we have football coming right around the corner. I mean, we as are as long now, as it happens. Listen, exactly four weeks from now is week one. Yeah. Um, and training camp is back. We're going to be getting giving you a lot of football content going up into the season. Probably some over unders, some predictions. I know I'm excited. Um, and just get ready for a lot of content coming at you during maybe the greatest run of sports we'll see in our lives. Definitely. All right. Well, anyways, Sammy, you want to bring us home? Yeah, well, this was a fun one. Glad to be back recording with you guys. Um, on behalf of Aaron, Josh, Yoni, and myself, um, Sammy Shulman reminding you to stay loyal. <laughs>